Hi, I'm Lucy von Sturmer, founder of impact-driven thought leadership agency, The Humble Brag, and co-initiator of grassroots activist movement, Creatives for Climate. On this podcast, I'll be learning from pioneers, mavericks, and creative disruptors, all using their power, platform, and influence to build a better world. Women challenge the status quo because we are never it. You're a real leader by simply bringing humanity back to business. Do you want to be a leader that you look back in time and say that you were on the wrong side of the argument when the world was crying out for a solution? This is a positive disturbance. Hey everybody and welcome back to A Positive Disturbance where it's our mission to create just that by celebrating the leaders driving for sustainable and inclusive developments by raising their voice and taking a stand. Today I'm super excited to be talking to Carla Morris-Lee who is a change maker and a female leader that I admire and that I have collaborated with um, in the form of being part of her network, Warrior Woman. Um, so I've invited Carla to join us today to talk about how to build effective communities, the role of um, a purpose-driven community, and some of the lessons that she's learned along the way. Let's dive into it. Carla, I'm so excited to be speaking to you today about your mission, Building the Warrior Woman Network. So um, first of all, I just love to ask you, where did the inspiration come from? Um, yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's the first community that I've built, and it's, um, I've built a few but it's the first community that I built that was genuinely born out of a need that I had. So previously I've seen opportunities in the market or gaps in the market. And the inspiration for this was that I was running my first, I guess what you would call official startup. And I found there was loads of places that I could read about how to get funding. There was loads of events that I could go to, but actually, on the moments when I was kind of crying on the floor and there were a lot. And on the moments when I really doubted if I was on the right path and I got told by lots of people, this is a really groundbreaking idea, it's real edge thinking. In those moments, I felt unable to post on LinkedIn, post on Twitter, reach out to my husband, my best friends, um, my colleagues and say, I've just, don't value myself in this moment. Like, I just don't see what I'm doing. And it turned out that over time, when I did meet women that were, and men, but women and men that were, to me, impressive, sometimes I just couldn't muster in those conversations the ability to kind of put on the jazz hands and say, I'm nailing it. And stuff leaked out, you know, like, I'm worried about money. I'm doubting my concepts and doubting my ability to deliver on it. And the more I did that, the more people kind of whispered back into my ear, it's not just you, it's me, <laughs> you know, not in the dating context. And, and I just realized that there was an opportunity there to create a closed private community for more of those conversations. And while there was lots of support out there for entrepreneurs, it was support for their businesses and not support for them as an individual. So that's kind of where it grew from. Um, I think we met a year and a half, maybe more than ago at a dinner that you were putting on for your consultancy, New Breed. Yeah. Um, and I obviously followed and engaged with you afterwards. And I, I have to applaud your level of vulnerability because I remember you 
sharing some of those things online. And I think, you know, it's difficult. Um, I feel it all the time with trying to create a brand and make yourself bigger than you are. Um, actually, maybe what's more powerful is um, is sharing that much and getting those little whispers back. Mm. And it's like, I mean, it depends on the person, I guess. One of the biggest lessons I've had in the last year is that um, I've tried a lot to meet the opportunity without asking the question about what my kind of natural gifts are, like what was I born with? And which I think is a great question for anyone actually, like what did you know that you had when you were two, three, four, five? Because the chances are that's the thing that you still have now that is the most powerful thing about you. And for me, that was being an empath or a highly sensitive person. And over the years, I've learned to see that as a weakness and to mask that about myself. And in recent times, I've seen that it's been sort of safe to be soft. And the softer I've been, I've allowed other people to have that space to be soft. So, I mean, Warrior Room, which I'm sure we'll get into, has a lot, lots of reasons to exist, which are about the outside world and the change that we can deliver. But my personal mission is the belief that for every warrior that quits, it's not just a tragedy for them and their family and everything they've put into that to their you know organizations, but it's a tragedy for the hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe millions of people that their projects are looking to serve. So in order to be vulnerable, I'm really doing it because I'm saying, look, let's get out all the stuff that's getting in the way of you delivering that change. And I just I just didn't see that anywhere. I still don't see that in enough places. No, I'm a member of quite a few women's networks, but this is the only one that's impact driven and excite and that excites me because it's a space not just to talk about being a woman, but being able to talk about bigger ideas, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. And also, I mean, one of the things that I picked up but wasn't intentional was that it's cross sector and it's diverse and it's global. Most of the women's networks are women in tech or um, women in science or women in the UK or women in Europe. And one of the opportunity areas that I see for this is how can we take common goals, common objectives and bring together diverse ideas and thinking, which is what my business new breed is. Um, and I, I think that could be a real catalyst for change. Yeah, I agree. And I think the world needs more of a, of our diverse voices to rise. Um, so yeah, talk to me about that. Like, what does it look like? What's the mission of um, Warrior Woman? And what does it look like when your mission is complete? Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people in the world which are waking up to, to what I call useful work. And if they weren't waking up before the pandemic and, you know, the climate crisis, then they're definitely waking up now. And that question means that there are lots of people in their communities in their own communities and their own networks who are doing important work, but they're not coming together and they're not saying, how can we collaborate and how can we do more? So I think what success for me looks like is for every female entrepreneur out there who's doing something interesting, finding a space where they can find other people that can come together and support that. But the interesting thing about community is collaboration takes time and I used to go into collaboration by spotting somebody on LinkedIn which looked really interesting and had all of the you know kind of good on paper and then I would spend a lot of time on doing collaborations where they weren't you know so good not in bed <laughs> but like in you know in 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 the real world so I think the value of communities and what good looks like for me is finding people that you like finding people that you share values with and there are lots of ways that we do that within the community and then secondary to that it's kind of like 
having a really um, great dinner conversation. And when we met, actually, the event that we met, it was about not saying what you did. Um, and the reason was hilarious because everybody it, it was really good but people are conditioned to kind of introduce them yeah, title. and what happens when you do that is you start from a place of almost looking for a business opportunity opposed to just saying do we like each other like are we have we dated properly yeah. I think communities can be great places for just being like I really like the person the way that person showed up in that conversation or the way they responded to that other person and then that's a place where we can find projects so there are lots of collaboration platforms, but they sort of start by listing the sector you're in or the SDG that you're looking for, opposed to saying, do we even like each other? Like, can we work till four in the morning with each other? So I think it's about thinking about collaboration from a human perspective. I, it, that just reminds me, I received an email today from a potential client and um, partnerships and collaboration are really interesting, especially when you're a small consultancy, because there's a lot of love and a lot of passion that goes into what we do. And yes, we're there to serve, but we bring so much more to the table when there is a good relationship. And just the approach and the tone, I could, I need to feel it out a bit more, but I could kind of tell that we'd be in a very service oriented, you know, relationship, which is not great for the client and not great for us. Um, because, you know, when we're on board and motivated and feel part of the family, we are so intrinsically thinking on behalf. So it's really interesting, like trying to kind of step outside of, um, models that may not serve you and create something differently but not everybody's up for that or used to it um, yeah, especially yeah. bigger corporates you know maybe people just don't have that mandate within that role within their role to build a relationship yeah I mean I had a, a great um, conversation with one of my mentors who's a, a guy called Gwyn Jones who's the director of the Association of Sustainability Practitioners and um, I was talking about a consultancy conversation with an organization that I was looking to work with and the challenge of presenting my day rate and talking about um, the value that I, I would deliver to the organization. And then basically coming back and saying, you know, we've never paid anyone, anyone, anything like that, even though it was actually a very kind of reasonable fee. And essentially being quite talked down to. And he said, well, back in the day, I met an organization and they gave me a project price and I said to them, well, I don't think you respect my right to make a profit. And the organization said, well, of course we don't. And it was really enlightening to me because actually we just expect that organizations want to work with us and have our back. And actually a lot of them are machines and they're about efficiency and effectiveness. I mean, I've worked in the corporate world for like, you know, before for over a decade. So my experience is that you should always imagine that that's how organizations are with yeah. working with you and come from a place of, okay, well, how do we start from a different spot? And that's, it's hard because it means, go, you know, inviting them to events, doing podcasts with them, building those, you know, business development relationships. So, so they will jump through, you know, different holes for you and your relationship. And it's like a puzzle trying to work out how to get to be, you know the best relationship with those organizations and um, but you know having a brand like you guys do is often the best place to start and this is exactly the kind of mentorship that warrior woman provides um <laughs> hey i know you're a little bit selective with who you invite in so i'd love to hear like who what is the typical profile that would fit the criteria yeah i mean one of the lessons that i've learned from building communities is that Effective communities are built on a few foundations. And one of those is to be right for everyone is to be right for no one. 
Um, and there are lots of ways that you can niche, you know, you can niche through a sector, you can even niche from, you know, a belief system like being, for example, pro-Tory. But for me, it's about, for warrior women, there are a lot of people that are trying to change the world, you know, change maker, pioneer, entrepreneur. But for women who are trying to solve problems of societal injustice and environmental problems, that is a niche in itself. Um, and the reason why I find that niche really interesting is because these women are generally quite driven to improve the lives of others. So they share a lot of characteristics in that sense around, like I said, being empathic, for example. But the challenge with that is that typically they can struggle to kind of put their own oxygen mask on before helping other people. And that was really crystallized for me when I had a conversation with a woman who um, works in human trafficking. And she was talking about putting her children to bed at seven o'clock at night. And she said, the way to describe the difficulty of my work is that I'm putting my children to bed and at the same time I'm thinking about thousands of children being trafficked over the border and I don't know where the most important place to be is right. and it really really hit home because I think a lot of warriors are working on really pressing issues I mean tax injustice child poverty I mean that the list is insane in our group I mean as you know it's like global peacemaking climate change um <laughs> everything and it's really sometimes hard to know where the cause starts and where you end and having kind of boundaries in the sense of the warrior woman is a completely different you know field to everyone else's idea of boundaries so yeah it's about looking at the women that are trying to change the world and helping them to really like thrive rather than just survive so I have if I'll be honest there's a quite a lot of interest in warrior women it's a lot of people from kind of marketing and communications background you do feel, you know, it doesn't feel great to say to people, look, you're not trying to change the world. But in a way, that's a radical act in itself. They're, yeah. they're, it's, you know, it's, it's to throw that back to somebody is a question. And, and often I say, like, we're, we're focused on people doing useful work. And that's quite a hard pill to swallow. Um, and then I'm clear about, you know, societal injustice and environmental problems. But there are, how many communities are there for marketeers, PR, um, yeah technology that you know they're everywhere and I think the reason why there's less for impact leaders is because it's not seen to be a huge revenue generating area so there's less interest well, that's changing and that's even more odd I think when we I started the humble brag um three years ago and when Jess joined uh, more than a year ago you know we still felt like it was a pretty unique proposition here in the Netherlands at least um and now it's like flooded you know everyone's a change maker all brands are uh, participating in activism um which is which is exciting and which is a sign of the times right so it's like you know the death of george floyd the murder i should say and um you know obviously we all really engaged with um the climate crisis last year with extinction rebellion i'm not quite sure i think the pandemic has slightly overtaken that concern for many right now at least but um, the landscape is is bizarre. I mean, you're living in the UK with um, Boris Johnson in power. So yeah. it's logical that like companies are starting to really reassess their role. Mm. Um, how do you kind of navigate this space between understanding, it's a question that could easily be posed back to myself, but I'd love to hear your answer because it's a difficult one. You know, people that are truly committed to creating impact and others that may just be looking to benefit from it. Oh, wow, that's a really big question. Um, 
I think the easy, if, if I can sort of reframe that and say the place that shows up for me most is impact through business. Um, it's more difficult as impact as a community. I mean, in the community sense, I'm, I'm the guardian of making sure that we're authentic. In the individual, it's hard to see, but impact through business is something that I struggle with a lot because I've worked with a lot of brands in the past and, you know, we're all aware of greenwashing, purpose washing, all of those areas. And we have standards like B Corps that obviously can be, a, you know, a sort of seal of, of approval. Um, but identifying the right organizations to work with to drive positive change is for me a very complex question. Um, and it involves understanding everything from their supply, you know, supply chain, manufacturing, board. Um, and I think the way that I've got around that is very simply to trust my instincts and to listen to it very, very deeply. And I think, you know, as human beings, it's like the most incredible thing that we have. We can take input and data information and it will always be useful, but you can tell sometimes when this is an organization you want to work with or don't want to work with. So yeah, it, it's, it's hard to know who's genuinely in it for driving impact, but I think we just have to believe that we, we are now in a place as a global society or a global community, which is what we need to be, that we all have to be genuine about this. And, and it does really, really worry me. Um, yeah, how do I say this? That the pandemic and Black Lives Matter, unfortunately, the powers that be are great at using things for distraction. Um, and they can be in the wrong hands, great tools to distract from the ever pressing climate reality, climate crisis reality. So yeah, there's a, there's a lots of mix ups. It's a great question. So I'll throw it back to you. How do you, how do you wrestle with that question? Um, I just wanted to jump on one thing with regarding um, Black Lives Matter, but um, quickly I'll respond to that in saying, um, I guess when I first started the Humble Brag, my mission was to work with um, bold and brave leaders or help to leaders to be braver in how they position themselves um, to really drive business as a force for good. Um, and I understood quite quickly that my proposition would gravitate towards brands that got it or individuals that got it. And I think that I agree with you. There's like certification, B Corp um, and, and, and other bodies that can help brands kind of navigate how to measure and, and create impact. But I also start to wonder, you know, should people like us be working with companies and brands that aren't on that journey yet and coming in? And, um, you know, who could someone like me be partnering with, you know, someone that could really do the audit in terms of sustainability or diversity and inclusion? And how could we come in? Um, to, to really drive that forward from a visibility point of view. Mm. Um, but before that, yeah, I mean, you and I, you know, we're white women um, mm. and it's been really difficult. Like um, obviously the pandemic has been um, something in and of itself and we're both really committed to environmental justice. Um, and I think that like for me, I've worked really hard with the humble brag to shine a light on diverse voices and that's always included um, people of color. But even saying that, I have to say that in the last few weeks, I have been doing a lot of introspection to realize, you know, um, where, like what could I do more of and how, how can I become even more aware of my own privilege basically? 
And I know that you've been working really hard to diversify Warrior Woman too. So I'd just love to hear a little bit about the work you've been doing to make sure that that space is diverse and inclusive. Yeah, there's, a, there's definitely some stuff to say there. Well, the first thing to say is that I am white, but I'm actually half Latin American and my dad wasn't. He was Latino and his name, he's passed away now, but he was segregated in his university and told to get changed in different changing rooms. And the interesting thing is that Black Lives Matter has made me realize that I hadn't even really thought about that in my own family, like racism that was impacting my father. And that has been shocking to me mm. that even within my own story, I've kind of whitewashed that and not seen it because of the privilege that I'm experiencing. So that's been really interesting. Um, so I come from, I believe that we're in the age of diversity and I've been saying that for like three years. And the reason why I think we're in the age of diversity is that we need to move past what someone looks like and their, um, yeah, their, their ethnicity, but not in the context of like, you know, oppression um, and murder, but in the sense of problem solving. So I'm not creating a community where I'm going to say we have, you know, a sort of standard of like 30% people that are of this or that. Um, I'm really, really interested in ensuring that we have a diversity of backgrounds. And that means lots of different areas beyond race. That means economic, you know, economic um, ge ge geographical and every time that I've spoken to a woman who's been you know Muslim or black and they've said the amount of times they're put on panels just for the sake of being you know just for being a kind of a tick box so it's kind of like we have quite high standards I think for ensuring that like it's diversity for diversity's sake which to make sure that we have diversity of opinion and background so that we have really good debates and um, and that we're ensuring that we're not creating an echo chamber. That's the most important thing. So it's really difficult in the community to make sure that, that there isn't a clear political preference in there, which you might could be argued, well, obviously there should be right now. We should be talking about a certain party, but to do that is to, it is actually the opposite of what we're trying to do, which is we're trying to find previously unseen ways to solve problems. So you have to make sure that you're convening a space that allows for different points of view. So I'm, I've been thinking about diversity for the group since it was since it started. And naturally, what that means is that we have quite a high percentage of people that aren't white or that, you know, didn't go to university, those kind of things. And it's just about continuing that but from an authentic place. Um, and luckily within the community, it's a network of networks. So it's about reaching out to the people who are already seeing value from the community and saying, who else would you see as having seeing value from this community? Yeah. And you know what? If all of them come back with a list of white women, then there's a problem. So it's about leading without controlling, you know, so I don't need to say, right, guys, we need to get more black women. It's about who else do you think needs to come into this conversation and, and, and just being on top of that and, and being sure that we are representative of a range of experiences. Um. Thank you for answering that question. I know that it's been really, um, we've all been looking at ourselves and looking at what we can do more. Um, I know that within my family, I have um, Maori cousins. And so we have, you know, I'm really lucky to be um, close to indigenous wisdom and all these sorts of things. But even so, I think that, um, yeah, it's been, it, it touches home for lots of people to think about their own privilege and what they can be doing more. Um, and obviously this quota versus non-quota discussion is one that's quite relevant. Um, I'm also a community builder. Some communities have built, have been more successful than others. 
um, in terms of longevity and um, yeah, just just willpower. And I guess um, uh, I feel very open talking to you, Carla. So one of the things that I'm oh, trying <laughs> right now I, is I hear that a lot. <laughs> is making um, my mission bigger than myself, of course, and with communities particularly, you know, when you can't be the fire behind them, um, how do you scale and grow? So I'd love to hear from you, you know, how have you built a successful community? What have been some of the, the secrets of that? Um, because I know you've also done this a few times before Warrior Woman. Yeah, um, I'm learning more with Warrior Women than I've ever learned before. I think the commercial lesson, which we both, you hope you don't mind me saying, we both shared and like, um, you know, I don't mind saying that we were a free WhatsApp group and we recently transitioned to a paid for platform. And I went out to the community and said, I need some support. Um, but I framed that as you and, you know, the members not being a business model, but just saying, look, you know, there are some costs around this and it, you know, it doesn't cover my time at all. That was a really, really scary moment for me because that was the first time that I had done that quite early on in the journey. So Warrior Women is about a year old now, but um, that was what, eight months old. But the learnings from communities before was I built communities to sell products. So <laughs> yeah, so I, I built community, you know, I, I, I set up a national awards program, which I exited after about three years. I set up a national events platform and all of that fed into my strategy business. And it was in the agency world, creative agency world. Um, and, you know, it ended up being like 4,000 people on, on a list. But the kind of community that I'm building now isn't about me trying to sell something to it or trying to lead it or, well, I have to lead it, but not own it. And that's a really different learning journey. And I've sought support for that because it's been, um, I'm having to re understand what it means to lead because all the people I've learned leading from both you know publicly our politicians and in my career have not been great role models for leadership and the way that I'm leading more women and you know it's been amazing to be complimented on that vulnerability and to show up like that is a journey for me like it's a challenge for me to show up how I show up in that community and to know when vulnerability is appropriate and when it's not and to do it from a place where I'm giving and not trying to get is is a journey so um I would say that mm. yeah I mean the learnings for me in this community is that I'm leading it but I'm not controlling it and I'm coming from a place of authenticity and I'm standing alongside the people so in the same way that, you, you know, somebody might post in there and say they're looking for a job or a connection that I feel that I can equally say that I'm doing that as well because I've convened the space, but I am not owning the space. So right. for me, it's a really big experiment to see what can we all achieve together and how do you lead, you know, I call myself the chief warrior woman, but I'm having title, to, by the way, <laughs> I, you know, I mean, what's great and also a challenge is that before, I, when I was running a community, it was about hiring a social media expert. It was about getting somebody to write content. It was about getting somebody to run it, to manage all the events. And with this community, it's about leading it enough so there's leadership, but leaving it open enough so that somebody mm. says to me, hey, Carlo, I'd love to do the newsletter for you, which has happened. Or, you know what, like uh, my friend runs a, a design course and I think we could do some branding for you. And that's like a really challenging balance because 
I need that support. Um, but you don't necessarily get to ask for it. You just have to open up a space where you kind of get it. So yeah, I like to think of it as like, we're all at, like in university together as like a hundred warrior women. You're just working in like halls as a community, you know, and it's like, I own the building, but like what happens in there is kind of about how you convene the times we all get together and like where we get together. And yeah, so it's a, it's a journey. I, I can relate in terms of creators for climate. I mean, the amount of generosity of will and, and ideas that flow into that. If, if it was a business, that would never happen. But you also create a space for people to be part of something that's different, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, no, go, go ahead. Um, that's fine. I, I think the real honest truth, though, is that I needed to charge something. Yeah. So that it, and, and that, that, and it's really not, you know, at the well, moment. It's sustainable, right? Well, because I, I just needed to know there was value in it. I needed to yeah. know that people would pay for it. And that's a very different place from going, I'm going to turn this into a business. It's just, hmm. okay, this is actually a thing. I should be putting more time and effort into this. But my goodness, that was nail biting, like sending that email <laughs> out. And then, um, but yeah, 67% moved over, which is, I'm really happy with. Uh, it's really, it's really fun to be a part of and to, um, to see all of these different women and know there's so much value in that. Mm. Um, you know, it is a new energy to be leading, but not owning. Is there a lesson that you could share for somebody listening to who wants to like dabble in this new kind of model mm. of co-creation? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, um, you're looking for for a party in a way like you know you can sit there and think there's a need but you're looking for a group of people that if you you said the party is going to be about this or the event's going to be about that that you know people would come to so you do need to have some kind of unmet need that you're serving or some kind of area but the the lesson that I've had is I always used to feel really insecure by the fact that I read so many books that said when you move into your true purpose in life, that's when you'll be really successful. And it used to make me feel a bit physically sick because I'd be like, I don't know what my true purpose is in life. Um, and I think it's that try and find, you know, that, that kind of, I talk a lot about whispers. I think I'm becoming like my 40 year old kind of like hippie self, but there will always be like a whisper. And my whisper in my ear was you're an empath. You, you know, you're scared of your vulnerability. So listen to that whisper and then say okay well how can I use that gift like where is there a need for that so you might be and I mentioned this to you previously a lot of the people who are in the warrior room community they responded to a calling not an opportunity like you know you're you're born into an amazing activist mother like it's in your DNA you know so like to some extent you could say you were born into the calling of being an activist oh and god it would, would have been so much simpler not to be. <laughs> but you know many of the warrior women talk about you know, being a, having been a refugee or like having seen plastic by their local beach all the time or having been a cancer survivor. And it's that resilience, right? It makes yeah. you. But it's also just saying actually, what, what, what have I experienced that I want to make better? And I think the thing that runs through my experience is that I experienced really bad leadership where people just didn't bring their authentic selves and stories to the table. And it was just like living in a, hot box of criticism and just awfulness so if you want to create a community like just think what's the community that you need that you didn't have and like what is your authentic gift that you had when you were three that you could bring to the table 
That's brilliant. Thank you, Carla. I think that it's a real um, art bringing together communities and making them successful. And I know there's a lot of brands and individuals trying to enter the space. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for having me. It's been so nice. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's been brilliant. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Don't be afraid of being vulnerable as your superpower to dive into and amplify your mission. If you got this far, thank you for sticking with me and tune in for our next episode with a brave leader with a bold vision of the future, somebody willing to create a disturbance in order to create a positive impact.